If you have a, a copy of the scriptures with you, you can get a head start. I'm going to be in John chapter 20 today. John chapter 20. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, uh, a great app to download would be Uversion or uh, Bible Hub, two apps I use uh, quite often. They're great for uh, Bible. Also, uh, that's where you can find our daily devotion. Uh, we use Uversion for that. Uh, and if you don't get the updates for our daily devotional, that's one of our core practices is daily devotions. And uh, you can just sign up for that on a Next Step card. But we are... Um, in this year, 2022, our word for the year is inconvenient faith. That convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. It is not convenient to, to, to follow Jesus. In fact, wouldn't you say it's not convenient to do the right thing? It's never convenient to do the right thing. The best thing for your life is never easy, and the same is true for following Jesus. So we have been looking this year at our eight core practices that, that guide us, that, that help us to, to stay passionate for Jesus. But we, this year we're calling them our eight inconvenient practices. It was really great in Guatemala. I, I went and did a pastor's conference. There was 20, 25 pastors that most of them have at best a fourth grade education. Uh, one pastor who was there um, can't write. So he brought his 14-year-old son with him to take notes. And I'm like, man, I can't even get the adult people in my church to take notes. And this guy's bringing his 14-year-old who's taking notes. So take notes today. It'll do my heart good. But they, they, it was so great to talk to them and teach them about our four core values and our eight core practices. And you just have seen how they were leaning in and just awakening to what it really means to be a passionate follower of Jesus. And so we've been, been looking at these, these practices and um, and we've looked at several of them, and we're right now on the one called sharing. Sharing Christ is one of our core practices, although we're calling it inconvenient sharing. Because whenever you talk about sharing Jesus with people, don't you just start, don't your palms just start sweating? Aren't they sweating right now? It's like, oh man, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. Then what do I say? And I'm probably going to say the wrong thing. You know, like, oh man, it is really hot today. You know where else it's hot? Hell. Don't do that. Don't do that. But you, you don't know what to say, right? I spent most of my life following Jesus, not knowing how to share Christ with people. And, I, and then I realized we've made it way too difficult. Like you got to have a master's theological degree and be well-versed in the Hebrew in order to share Jesus. And that is a lie from the pit of hell because it's not that hard. That's what I've discovered and we have discovered at Core Church. It, it, all you got to do is remember three simple things. Intercede, invest, inform. Say that with me. Intercede, invest, inform. That's it. Intercede. Just start praying for people. Like pray for your neighbors, pray for your coworkers, pray for your uh, classmates, pray for the people in the apartment community, the ball team, whatever. You say, well, I, I don't even know their name. Start praying that you'll know their name. Here's, a random, here's, a, here's an idea. Maybe walk across the street and say, hi, uh, my name's and your name is, and I know we've lived here for 10 years. This is awkward, but uh, what's your name? Guess what? Your neighbor's going to do the same thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm not sure if they know Jesus, Brad. So do I, you know what you do? You start praying for him by name. God, show me, show me if they know Jesus. And guess what's going to happen? You start praying for people, start praying for people by name. And I'm telling you, God is going to do some insanely amazing things through you. And you're going to find like, whoo, this is a lot easier than I thought. Because the next part of that is invest. Just do good. Turn to somebody and tell them, just do good. Turn back to him and say, start with me. Yeah, 
Every dad right now is like, yeah, start with me. Today, my day. Do some good for me. Invest in me today. You don't know if I know Jesus or not. And sometimes when I'm around you, I lose Jesus. And I got to go repent, get my life back to Jesus because the way you be acting. But just do good. Like be kind. Wave. Say hi. I, this, was, this was so, um, I love, we do First Friday Fast and Megan uh, Megan Spears, who's on our staff, she did the first Friday fast video and we were in Guatemala and I watched that and I was like, how in the world am I going to share Christ with people that don't even speak my language? And she said something that was just so great. She said, just smile at people. Just wave at people. And I was like, I can do that. I don't need Google translate for that. Just be kind. And then the last one is inform. When, when, when this, when God presents the opportunity, inform them of the hope that you have. You can share scripture with them, pray with them. You could, uh, just tell them part of your story and, and, and your journey. And just encourage people. It's, 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 just, it's not as hard as we made it out to be. And, and so for this series that we're in called Inconvenient Sharing, uh, we are looking at a real practical thing that we can all do, and, and that is share the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all simple things that we as followers of Jesus can, can share. And, we, and we, this week we're on sharing peace. If there's one thing our world needs right now, it is peace. So let's go to John's gospel. John chapter 20. I'm going to read some scripture and then I'm going to let y'all get off your feet here. John chapter 20. If you're, if you're new to the scriptures, John was a disciple of Jesus. Uh, John would tell you he was Jesus' favorite. I don't know that Peter and the others would say that, but John kind of gave this vibe that he was Jesus' favorite. I'm not, not, not making that up. And, and so he wrote down the stories as he saw them as he walked with Jesus. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation in uh, John chapter 20, and we're at verse 19. So let me set the stage here. Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. He's appeared to Mary Magdalene, and she comes and tells the disciples he's alive. They don't buy it. They don't believe it. Peter and John run to the tomb. They see that the tomb is empty, and then they all go back. This is early on Sunday morning. And in verse 19, we pick up the story. It says, that Sunday evening... The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Again, they've been told he's alive, but they're behind locked doors. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. And he said this, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And, but he had to say it again. You ever have, like, you pray for peace, and you get it, and you're like, okay, I got it. And then just as soon as you got it, you lose it. Anybody? You know what I mean? Like, where'd it go? This is, this is the disciple. So he's like, again, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them. That was the first super spreader right there. He <laughs> breathed on them. <laughs> Thaddeus, Bartholomew, and... Fauci turned him into the CDC. He wasn't wearing a mask when he breathed on us. Too soon? Is that too soon? Is that too soon? <laughs> but he said, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Father, we are excited to hear from your word today. Would you just grant us your spirit in this moment? Grant us peace 
help us to understand your scriptures, we pray in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. okay, now you can, you can sit down. Wow, there's a lot of groaning there. That's dads. It's every dad with his knee like, oh. Oh, I, I saw this great survey this weekend of, of things that dads actually want. They surveyed dads, and they said, dads, what do you want? And they had this list, and I had to agree with almost everything on this list. They, one of the things on there was said, dads just want something practical. Just give me socks, give me underwear. Don't give me something I don't need. Because here's what every dad thinks, at least this is how, what I think. When my kid gives me a gift, I'm like, hmm, wonder what I bought myself. <laughs> and if it's not practical, I'm like, you just spent my money on that, now, you, now you've given me a return. But dads want something practical. Here's another thing they want. They, they want a, a thick, juicy steak. Oh, yes. And so Laura asked me, not kidding, this week she asked me when we were in Guatemala, what do you want for Father's Day? What do you want to eat? And I said, we got any of them steaks left that Aunt Mary and, and, and your mom bought for us that are in the freezer? She said, yes, yeah. I, I want one of them steaks. I want one of them steaks. So last night I see her at the kitchen counter and she's pounding together hamburger patties. I thought, I thought we were... I know we're having steaks. She goes, we're having 17 people over. We cannot afford steaks for everyone. I said, I don't care. 16 of them can eat hamburger patties. The one needs a steak. Said, so dads, this is so good. Dad said they just want to be left alone and watch whatever they want on TV. Right? Amen, dads. I just let me watch whatever I want. Can I add something to that? Stay off my profile. I made a profile for you. It's, it has your name on it. What I don't you, need you doing is filling my feed full of Pokemon and win calls of the heart. Because then it messes up the algorithm and it says I want to watch all these Hallmark movies and I don't. I don't want to watch Pokemon shows. So it, had, it, it, it also said that, um, oh, that, uh, this was my favorite. This was my favorite. Dad said they just want two things. Peace and quiet. quiet. <laughs> it, it is stressful to be a dad at times, is it not? Like it is really stressful. And what I found is when, when the stress rises, you turn into the one thing you thought you would never be, and that is your dad. You find yourself saying and doing things, you, you know, you're like going around shutting all the lights off in the house. I, find, I do that all the time. I'm like, there's no one in this room. Why are these on? We don't have stock in PSL, people. I'm, I'm, doors? Like, what? How do you not? The door doesn't automatically swing closed behind you. They, but you run out the door, and, it's like, you, and then, you, then you end up saying things that you thought you'd never say. Like, when the door is left, over, you, let, left open, you just you find your, you don't want to say it, but you're, you're like, were you, ra oh, were, you, were you raised in a barn? Yeah, I said that. My dad said that. I'm saying it. Or, or, or when they leave the lights on, or when a kid comes to you for, for, for money, you, you don't want to say it, but you say, money doesn't grow on trees. 
I'm my dad. I don't want to be my dad. You say these things that you thought you would never say. Your kid comes up and they're whining. Oh, have you ever had that? Where they're, ah, and you look at them and you swear you're not going to say it. And you say, you need to stop crying or I'm going to what? Give you something to cry about. <laughs> we just hand that down. Generation to generation to generations. So dads, what's interesting about dads that I found is dads have this um, unique ability in them uh, to, to change the atmosphere of a room. Dads can, bring, uh, can make the room tense or they can bring a, a calming presence into the room. Like, come on, you know, dad, when you've just, when you've had a long day and you're tired and work has not gone as you hoped it would go and you're frustrated and you come home and you're worn out and you, and you walk in the house and you step on a poly pocket in your bare feet. Oh, and you're just like, oh, and suddenly tension. And, and do you ever notice that, that the temperature rises and falls on dad many times that if dad is tense, the whole, the whole house can the whole house can be very, very, very tense. But what's interesting too, though, is dads, we have this unique ability to have a calming presence. Like when, you, when your kid has got a, a, a test and they're overwhelmed by the test and they don't know if they're gonna do well and you can, you can sit down at the table with, with, your, with your child and kind of walk them through it. And watch your child just, just kind of breathe. Or, or, or they, got a, they got a game, you know, they got the, the, the big game and they're, and they're, and they're, they're so nervous and they're, ah, they just really want to do well and they get out there on the field and there's just something about when, when that child, I, I just remember it like it was yesterday when my boys would be on the court playing basketball and then they, they would look up in the stands looking for me, looking for me, not mom, looking for me. And, and they would look at me and I'd go, you got this. You got this. I'm so proud of you. Shoulders squared. Suddenly confidence rises in them. When, it, when, a, when a child is getting picked on or bullied on social media or in, in, the, in the classroom and they come home and they just feel like nobody loves them and dad steps into the picture. No, I love you. You're beautiful. You're amazing. You have talent. You have gifts. And suddenly that child is... Their shoulders are squared and the confidence rises in them. We, we have this unique ability to change the atmosphere. But the truth is, that's not just reserved for dads. Every single one of us have this unique ability to change the atmosphere of the rooms that we walk in. Everybody, moms, dads, students, singles, parent, not parent, doesn't matter who you are. Man, woman, child, everybody, when you walk in the room, you change the atmosphere. Turn to somebody and tell them, you have the power to change the atmosphere. You have the power to change the atmosphere. Our world is already a tense place. It doesn't need more tension added to it. I mean, gas prices are insane, are they not? Inflation is out of control. Like your pocketbook, it ain't, it ain't stretching like it used to. It's tearing, is it not? Laura went to the store yesterday. She came back and I said, how much was all that? 
Because and, and there, there's this tense, there's, there's political tension. Don't dare talk about politics in any way, form, or fashion because it's going to create tension. There's a lot of anger and everybody is on edge. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, have this unique opportunity to bring the calming presence of Christ into our world. You have that power. You have that ability. So what are, are you bringing tension into it? Are you adding to the tension with your comments, with your actions, with your body language, with what you're saying and what you're not saying? Or, or are you a calming presence when you walk in the room? I'd like for you to write this down. This is where we're going to go for the next few minutes. I am called, I am called to be a calming presence in chaotic places. I am called, I am called by God to be a calming presence in chaotic places. This is where we, we find the disciples. There's a lot of chaos, a lot of, a lot of confusion. Jesus has died. Somebody says he's alive. We don't know. There's threats against us. Are, we gonna, are they going to kill us next? And then and then Jesus enters the room with this calming presence. Look, look at verse 19. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were what? Come on, everybody. They were what? They were afraid. They, they were stressed. They, the doubts, the confusion, the they, they anxiety. They, and they were afraid because of the Jewish leaders. Like Mary, Mary had told them he's, he's, he's alive. Peter and John, they'd, they'd gone to the tomb and, and yet doubt still filled their minds. This happens to every single one of us. We know the promises of God. Yet for every one of us, doubt and uncertainty often fills our minds, this preacher included. Like we, we, we know what we want to believe, but we also know what we see, the reality of the situation. I, I want to believe the promises. I want to believe that God's going to do what he said he's going to do, but did I know what I, what I see? When we were in Guatemala the, at the pastor's conference, there were three young people there. Uh, one young man was 20 years old and he was the youth pastor at his dad's church. 20 years old and, and a youth pastor. There was an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old. They stayed through all three days of the conference. I was blown away. And during that conference, I, I was talking about purpose. And, and I happened to look at this one kid. His name's Dylan and he's 16. And I just looked at him and I said, man, God, God has a purpose for you. And I began to talk to him about the dreams that I said, I bet you got dreams. I bet you have things that you, you envision that you do want to do. But, but then you look at your, your town, you look at your city, and uh, this, is, this is the youth group. I'll tell you about them in just a second. Um, and, I, and I'm talking to Dylan, and I said, um, I, bet you, I bet you have dreams. But, but he looks around at his city, and it's just devastating. People don't have any more than a fourth grade education. Poverty is everywhere. People living in shanties and on the streets and, and nobody has any means. There's, and, and for a young person there, there's, there is no opportunity. There's, there's no jobs. You graduate high school, hey, congratulations. 
There's nothing for you to do. That's how bad it is in this, this region of where he's at. But as I began to speak to him in the middle of that, what I saw was his shoulders just began to square and, and he started going, maybe, maybe God might be able to use me. The end of the three days, they, they uh, actually invited me to come and speak to their youth group. And that's this group right here. These are their youth leaders. They're not adults. These are the kids in the youth group that are the youth leaders that are leading their youth ministry. And they asked if I'd come, and they said, man, these, these, these eight, core, uh, the eight core practices and, and these values, will you come? Will you share this with, 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 with our people? And I said, absolutely, because I don't know. I just love talking to young people. I'm a youth pastor at heart, and I'm like, you want me to come? And so that night I went, and I went and spoke to these young people. And, and during that time, I, I was talking again about dreams and visions that God gives to you. And there was one young lady there. And I said, what's your name? And she told me her name was Daisy. And this is a picture of Daisy here. Daisy and that, by the way, is Dylan on, on the left. And I said, Daisy, I, I know you, you, you have dreams, don't you? God's put something in you. And, and she just began to weep. I said, I, I bet you just wonder, is it really going to happen for me? Is it? Because I know, Daisy, you're looking around and you see that there's just no opportunity and and then I began to talk to all the youth that were there. And I said, God wants to use you. God, you can change your community. You can change your city. You are the ones that can help it to rise from the ashes. And it was amazing to watch these young people go from feeling like they had nothing to offer, nothing to give, to suddenly shoulders squared, believing that, wait a second, just maybe, just possibly, God might use me. This is the ability that you and I have. To bring a calming presence into chaotic places to help people believe again. So you got the disciples here and they, they, they wanted to believe that Jesus was alive, but there's the reality of the situation that Jewish leaders have killed Jesus, so they know they're coming for us next. That's the reality and that's the truth. And so they were confused. They, they're dealing with doubts and they're stressed beyond what you could imagine. Their spirits are just crushed. And verse 19 says, suddenly, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Say this with me. Peace be with you. I want us to practice that. Turn, turn to somebody that you didn't come with and say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. One of the greatest greetings you could give somebody. Verse 20 says, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side and say this part with me. What? They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Like nothing had changed. There's still the imminent threat of death. Circumstances had not changed, but, but, but everything had changed because peace had walked into the room. Write this down. I can't have peace. Excuse me. I, I can't give peace until I have peace. I can't give peace until I have peace. And I just want to encourage you today, if you don't have peace, man, look to the one who gives perfect peace when you're overwhelmed and you don't know what to do. I love to garden and I've been working in my backyard trying to get it ready and one of the things I, I, one of my neighbors gave me this 50 gallon, 50 gallon pond. And it's just a plastic black one that you get, like you get at Lowe's. 
And he said, Brad, I'm not using it. You can have it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. I, I can have a second pond. And, and then I had a fire pit area that I wanted to dig out because I had all these rocks. And I was like, I can build a beautiful fire pit. But to be honest with you, when I was looking at the job, I was overwhelmed by it. I thought, there's... I can't do this. <laughs> like this is, I have a shovel. That's all I have. And I'm going to have to dig out a 50 gallon area and then this huge fire pit. And so I've just been putting it off and putting it off for like a year. Cause I'm like, I, it's just too much. I, 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 I can't do this. And then I remembered, I know a guy. <laughs> this is the best part about living in Oklahoma, isn't it? I got a guy. You don't hear that in Guatemala. You hear it here though. And, and that, that, that guy is, is Curtis Neal down here on the front row. If you ever need anything, this is the guy who can get it. He can get it. He can find it. He can make it happen. That's, that's, that's who he is. And, and so I, I called him up and I said, hey, Curtis, can you meet me? He said, yeah, Brad, I got you. I got you. And then he showed up with this right here. That's what I'm talking about. Look at that bad boy. Showed up with that. Can I tell you, in less than 30 minutes, the pond was dug out. I had a 15-foot uh, radius fire pit there, and I had a, a detention pond he dug out in the back. He didn't do the detention pond. I'm kidding. He didn't do that. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the ability. I was so overwhelmed, I'd put it off. I wasn't doing it. How many things are you overwhelmed by that you just put back over here? I'm not gonna think about it. I'm not gonna deal with it. I'm not gonna do it because you're like, I can't. I don't know what I'm gonna do. When you don't know what to do, you've got to turn to the one who has all the resources you could ever want. All the resources you could ever need. His name is Jesus. You call on his name. Yeah, Curtis ain't the only one who's got connections. Man, our, our heavenly father, as, as Eric so pointedly said, he loves you. He cares for you. And he's waiting on you to ask for assistance. The only way I got that dug out was I made a phone call to my friend. And I said, could you help me? And he said, yeah, Brad, I'll help you. You are a phone call away from peace. You are a phone call away from what you need. What I mean by a phone call is get to your knees and start asking the prince of peace to give you his peace. It says that suddenly Jesus was standing there like peace had walked into the room and they were filled with joy. Everything changes when Jesus walks in the room. Everything changes. I mean, suddenly dreams come alive again. Suddenly you have confidence to believe that you might make it through. You, you, have, you have strength that you did not know that you had to take another step. This is what our God does. What I've discovered about peace in my own life is that it just brings this, this steady confidence to me. I've always wondered about peace, and, and uh, like, like you, I just have these moments where I'm just... Dang it, prone to worry. Dang it, prone to doubt. And, 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 it's, and it's consistent. By the way, I found great peace in that, in knowing, oh yeah, I forgot, I'm human. I'm not God. You're always gonna have those moments in those times where you have worry and you have doubt. I don't care how long you've been following Jesus. I don't care how much you read your Bible. I don't care how much you go to church. I don't care, it doesn't matter. 
You're going to have the, the, those, those moments where you, where you doubt. And what happens is you, you, you got your eyes on the situation, right? And you're just staring it down. You're just like, laser beam. And you just think, maybe I can just radiate it and burn it out of my life. And it doesn't happen. It just gets worse. And what I've learned is I've got, you got to turn your countenance to, to heaven. And I, I don't know how to explain this. I don't know how this works. But all I know is that when I'm, when I'm this way, when I'm going like this, it, it, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just creates so much tension in my life. But when, when I turn my countenance here, it's like, it's like Jesus just rains down peace on me every time. Not a single time does he not do it when I turn my countenance. Because what happens is like the disciples, when I look to Jesus, I'm, I'm reminded, as it said here in, in the story, as they, they saw the wounds in his, in his, in his hands. They, they saw the, the wounds in his side. What, what, what does that mean? They're like, wait a second, this is the guy we saw. He, he was dead. He was dead. This is him. And now he's alive. He, I saw him beaten. I saw him arrested. I saw him mocked. I saw him spit on. I saw him crucified. I saw him die in a horrific way. And he's alive. And, and the disciples said to themselves, wow, if he can, if he can do that, he, he can do that for me. When you turn your countenance to heaven and you look upon the wounds in his side and in his hands, you recognize and you realize if he overcame that, he can help me overcome. And he can help me to find peace, the peace that I need. And, I, and that gives me confidence. I always think of peace as confidence. Every time I pray for peace, I just say, God, give me confidence because I know when I have confidence, I have peace. And when I don't have confidence and I'm insecure, peace is gone. God, give me confidence, and for, I, he always gives me confidence that he will heal the situation, that he will restore the situation. I have confidence that he can resurrect what is dead because he did it for Jesus and he can do it for me. Amen? Amen. That's a good place to clap, church, and give God some praise. He raised Jesus from the dead. He can raise you and your situation from the dead. But the peace that Jesus has given to us isn't just for us. This is sometimes what our miss is. We're crying out for peace, and we kind of leave it at that. I get peace, and then I just leave it at that till the next time I need it. But the truth is, peace was meant to be shared. Most of the time, the peace that you receive so often comes from another person, conversation, their presence, your core group. And suddenly you have this, this peace and our world has never needed it more than today. Our world needs peace. And in verse 21, Jesus said this, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now say this with me, what? So I am sending you. All around us, the world is crying out for peace, aren't they? But peace hasn't come. There have been marches for peace. There's still no peace. There have been protests in the streets that there must be peace. But there's no peace. There's been legislation that's been passed for decades and decades and decades, even for hundreds of years, and, there, and there's still not peace. We, we have a new election. We got another one coming up. And if, we just, if I just get the right person elected, and, and I'm all for voting for people that you believe in, I think you need to vote. I think that's important. And I, I believe in legislation and all of those things, but that is not where peace is going to be found. Jesus told us this. 
John 14, 27, Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift. Here is the gift, church. This is the gift he's given to you as a follower of Jesus. Peace of mind and heart. Peace for your mind that so desperately needs it. And peace for your heart that it won't stop beating out of control. He says, that's the gift I give to my church. That's the gift I give to those who put their faith in me. And then he says something very interesting. Say this next part with me. And what? The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So we have been given a, a gift, but it's a gift the world can't give. That's why protests and rallies and legislation, although they do have their place, I am not opposed to them. There is a right time to do those kinds of things. I'm for elections and all those things, but it's why consistently over and over they're not bringing peace because peace can only be found in Jesus. And for too long, the church, like the disciples, have remained behind locked doors. We have isolated and we have insulated ourselves from the world. The worse the world gets, the more I'm going to pull back. This is really bad. I'm angry about that. I don't like what's happening there. I'm going to pull back. And we isolate and we insulate. And then what do we do? We just point fingers. Instead of offering a hand to help up, instead of extending an olive branch of peace, we point fingers and we... We get angry back. We, we, we judge other people. We, we criticize. We, we post ugly things. Stop posting ugly things. Stop reposting angry things. That is, that, I can't handle, I don't want, why are we doing this? You know what we're doing? So many people are bullies in the name of Jesus. We cannot be bullies in the name of Jesus. We are called to bring peace into our world. Like here at Core Church, we don't isolate and insulate. We, do, we don't hide behind locked doors. If you're new, guess what? Our door's wide open. Not just wide open because we want you to come in. No, no, they're wide open because we go out. We go out into a world that so desperately needs it. We're not waiting for the world to come in. We're going to go to them. We are called to be a calming presence in chaotic places. You can be that calming presence in your neighborhood. Come on, man, we, we, all, we all got that one neighbor. You know, you're like, man, I wish they'd move. I just wish they'd move. Smoking the doobies, listen to that music till 1 a.m. Yeah, I got your right here. Put a for sale sign in their yard and get on out. What if you, what if you decided to, to pray for all of your neighbors? Especially the one that never edges their yard. <laughs> one whose car has been broken down and they refuse to move it. Do they not know what neighborhood we live in? This is not the kind of neighbors we are. And what do we do? We sit in our homes and we criticize and we point fingers and we talk about them. What is wrong with us? We're the church. If we can't do it, nobody's going to do it. 
What if you started praying? You said, you know what? I'm going to be a calming presence. I'm going to take the peace of Jesus to them. What if you said, man, I'm going to be a, a calming presence in my workplace? Come on now, you're going to show up at work tomorrow and people will just be running their lips. Yep, 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 talking about the boss, talking about somebody else, blah, 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 and then they make us do this, and they're paying me this, I can't believe they're doing that. And what can happen is you can add to the tension, right? Oh, yeah, man, I can't believe they're, and they're just doing this. And you're supposed to be the representative of Jesus. Come on now. I'm preaching up in here right now. Some of y'all lifting your feet. Man, it's, it, it is, woo, that, that hurts. She's stepping all over my feet. I'm going to raise them up so you can't step on them anymore. But it's true. What if you walked into your workplace and you said, I, I'm going I'm to bring a calming presence here. What, I mean, students, there has never been a more difficult time to be on a campus. I don't know how you're doing it. Going to school every day and I mean, it happened there. It's, is, is it going to happen in my classroom? Is, is it going to happen? And, and, and everybody's talking about that one kid. Oh, I know it's going to be that one kid. I know them because, man, watch out for them because I saw them and they're doing this and that. And, what, what, and everybody's got fear in the classroom wondering what's going could, What if you could turn that and be a calming presence in that situation? Parents on the ball field. Whoo, now I'm about to preach. <laughs> I mean, come on. Man, parents, they're, man, they're, they're yelling at the refs. They're yelling at the other parents. They're yelling at their kids. They're seven. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, they, you put a helmet on a seven-year-old, they can't even hold up the weight of the helmet. They're like a bobblehead. <laughs> and you're yelling at them. You got to do better. What's wrong with you? What, what, what if you could remind everybody around you, hey, by the way, they're, they're seven. Or, um, hey, by the way, that ref who's refing the seven-year-old games, he wasn't refing the NBA finals last night. He's refing seven-year-olds because, well, they're seven and he's trying to learn. And we have this opportunity to bring this calming presence into chaotic places. So two weeks before we were going to go to Guatemala, I woke up in the middle of the night and uh, my peace was gone. I'm, I, <gasps> you ever had a moment where you wake up and you have a sudden realization of something and you're like, oh no. And I woke up thinking about my passport. Now, if you've never gotten a passport, you can't leave the country without one. They won't use your driver's license. You got to have the passport. And, and I got up out of bed because I didn't know where it was at. And I looked in the file box and then I finally found it. And I opened it. I was like, okay, oh, good. <sighs> and then all of a sudden I looked at the, the expiration date. It was expired. We're leaving in two weeks. Now, I know for some of you are like, what's the big deal? It takes a minimum of six to eight weeks, thank you, U.S. government, to be able to get your passport renewed. They don't just swing by the office and uh, we'll stamp it for you. I am frantic. I don't, and so they have a number you can call. I call this number and they said, hey, we can get you an appointment and you can go to one of our regional offices and, and they can do an emergency passport. They got me an appointment the day before we were supposed to leave. That was the earliest appointment. 
So we had to drive to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Which Laura was like, woohoo, yeah, let's go a day early, party for this girl. So we did, and, and we found out Hot Springs isn't as hot as it used to be. But I get to the passport office and I get in line, as you can imagine, everybody that is there is in the same predicament and they, the tension is out of control. I mean, the, the worry, the stress, the, I mean, it is a boiling point there in that line. But I decided when I got there, I wanted to, I, I wanted to bring peace. I thought, man, God, maybe I, maybe, maybe I could just step in and maybe a smile or... We're just talking to people. Maybe I could help ease some of, some of the tension. And so I began talking to different people in the line. And there's one lady that was in the line uh, there, and she was telling me her story. Uh, she had woken up the day before, her and her husband, on their way to Cancun, and she realized that her passport was expired. They were supposed to be getting on a plane. And I said, oh, my goodness. So where's your husband at? And she says to me, oh, he's already there. He left. He went to Cancun. <laughs> Cancun? Uh-huh. And you're here? Uh-huh. <laughs> Give me his digits. What's wrong with you? Isn't it true, though, that sometimes people, they come to us and, and they've got a lot of tension, they've got a lot of stress, and they're overwhelmed by something, and you're like, whoo, ain't got no time for that. I'll be on the beach if you need me. It's just true. Like, I, I don't want to deal with all of that, and I don't deal with that. Uh, that's, uh, I'm moving away from that over here where I can, I can, you know, have my little pina colata. You know, just that's what you... There's another guy in line. His name was Travis, and he, I could tell he was completely overwhelmed. I mean, like, almost mentally breaking down. And I said, man, how you doing? He said, oh, he was so overwhelmed, and and uh, when you get up to the front of the line, you, they have you buzz in, and you, then you go into the, the next room. They won't let you in because of security. And it was really funny because Travis was just a good old boy, just a good old Arkansas boy. And he gets up there in the line, pushes the button, and they go through the list of things you can't bring into a government facility. <laughs> you know, like mace, guns, knives, lighters. He's unloading every single thing they talk. You got handcuffs? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I got the handcuffs. I mean, they, I mean you got any fireworks on you? Oh, that's right. I forgot. I got the little firecrackers. Okay. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. He was unloading everything out of his pocket. I'm like, here, Travis, just give it to me. And I was like, wow, this guy was loaded. I'm glad I talked him down. <laughs> so I go in, uh, and, and uh, they're super nice and uh, Anyway, I fill out all my paperwork, and, 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 and they, they take care of me, and they say, come back in the afternoon, and we'll, we'll have it ready for you. Whew. So I come back in the afternoon, and sure enough, they did. They had my passport ready for me, and I'm telling you, like, the peace of God just rained down on me in that moment. I was like, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'll serve you all the rest of my days. <laughs> so excited. And I was getting in the car to leave, and I looked out over on this grassy area, and there was Travis, and he was uh, sitting down by a tree. And I just had this, this sense that God said to me, go over and talk to Travis, see how he's doing. And I almost didn't. I almost was like, oh, you know, I mean, we got, I got my passport. I'm good. And he, I, he'll be fine. He's going to get it. He's got it. He'll be okay. 
And I was like, no, and I sensed God saying, go talk to him. So I got out of the car, I walked over and he's sitting by the tree and I said, hey, Travis, how you doing? And he said, oh man, not good. And I said, what's going on? And he said, I still don't have my passport. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And he stands up and we start talking. And, um, and I, I decided to take a, take a chance, to take a risk. And I said, hey, I'm, if this offends you, then I, I won't do this, but would you be okay if, if, if I prayed for you? And he said, oh, man. Would you, would, would, would you really do that? Would you? And I said, yeah, man, I would love to pray for you. And he goes, oh, my goodness. He said, Brad, I, I, he said, the last two hours I have been pacing over there on the grass telling God, please send me somebody. Please send me somebody. Please, please, God, send me somebody. I don't know what to do. And God sent me you. What if I had never gotten out of my car? Travis uh, got his number. I eventually found out he got his passport and got to go on his trip. But we have this opportunity to be a, a calming presence in, in chaotic places. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the ability to do it. Look at verse 22. It says, then he breathed on them and said, Say it with me. Receive the Holy Spirit. You can't be a calming presence in chaotic places apart from the Holy Spirit. You need him. That's why we, we talk about when we say intercede, invest, inform. Intercede is always the first thing. Pray. Pray. A simple prayer. A simple prayer of just like this. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. Just, okay, God, here I go. And trust that he is going to fill you full of mercy and grace. And he's going to fill you full of kindness. He's going to fill you full of the right words and the right thing and the right place to be in trusting in him. He will honor that prayer and give you what you need. He will give you the power to be that calming presence that all of us desire to be in those chaotic places that are waiting for you outside these doors.